Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? John Steinbeck said, people don't take trips, trips take people. For many people, that trip, that travel, starts with the help of a travel agent. I sat down recently with Sonia Weston, president of Your Premier Travel. What a business journey Sonia represents as the third-generation leader of the oldest African-American-owned travel agency in the U.S. Sonia touches on sports casting, the Girl Scouts, mentorship, and entrepreneurship, all as it relates to a life spent in the travel business. Please put your seat in the upright and locked position and enjoy this 25th episode of Generation Excellence. Well, good afternoon, Sonia Weston. Thank you for for joining the Generation Excellence podcast. Well, good afternoon to you. Thank you for the opportunity. And if I have this right, YPT Global is your premier travel. Is that correct? Correct. With with operations in Novi, suburban Detroit, but you know, roots in, in Detroit and, and all of that. So you are a third generation business owner leader in this in this world of travel agent agency, right? I am. Yes, I am. So I, I mean, that's, I mean, I also am a third generation person. That's kind of why this podcast and not that it's all just about we G3s, but it, there's, there's something special about that. So take, take what, what are, what is the founding story of your business? Who in that journey, relative, parent, whatever is the queen of the Caribbean? I, I just got to know the sort of the, the roots of this thing. Oh, it is a great story. So it, you know, the travel industry in our business actually started with my grandparents. Okay. Um, they owned the first charter company that was owned by an African-American. It was called Cannons Charter. Right. And they had all these huge buses that I remember getting dropped off to school in sometimes, even traveling to church in them. They used them for transportation and also for a business. And growing up, in that atmosphere, a lot of my friends used to wonder why we traveled in long charter buses. <laughs> and uh, so it all started there. And then my mom um, took it a step further and she opened the first travel agency in Detroit, Michigan, owned by an African American woman. Fantastic. And, you know, that started from Girl Scouts, actually. She was our Girl Scout leader okay. in Detroit, and she had two of the largest Girl Scout troops in the city of Detroit back then. And she decided for us to go to Disney World with all of our cookie sales that we had did that particular year. I think I was probably about 10 years old then. And um, I just remember us going on these trips. Of course, we used the charter buses to go. We had a wonderful time. And at that young age, I had no idea my mom was learning that this could be a business as she was putting together all these pieces of the pie to take three full charter buses to Disney World um, in the 70s. So um, so that's Fa- the only fascinating thing. how many people <laughs> I've sat with on this podcast where the, the founders, they started doing something that then became the business, not exactly. setting out boom to do a business. Keep going. Exactly. No, that she was totally not wanting to do that to my knowledge. 
of the stories I've heard, but I do remember the actual experience. So then the only thing that I can remember from there is when in the 80s, when I was um, venturing to high school, I remember my mom doing a lot of senior trips and a lot of the high school kids would go out to Florida or the Bahamas. And, and the, back then that's when cruises had just started. Sure. And I remember there was one particular high school and I believe it was Henry Ford and a travel agent had set some um, plans up for them and left them all, took their money, and it was all on the news. And okay. and in our household, my all I could hear my mom is saying is, they're going to make our industry look bad. They're going to make our industry look bad. So she went in and rescued those teenagers and those families and picked up where wow. that agency left off. And she made sure that those students made that trip to Florida for their senior trip. And from then on, I just knew this is a real business. My mom was on the news, you know, <laughs> and um, I started to know and recognize that our family had a business, um, you know, right when I was about to enter high school. And then she did our senior trip when I graduated and it okay. continued on to bigger and better things where she started to send people on their first trips out of the country. And, um, and then from there, everyone in our family learned the business. We didn't have a choice. And I'm quite sure you know that even if you don't want to be in the business, you got to learn how to make a phone call or two. It's at the dinner table. It's part of the conversation, right? Yeah. You live it. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, so that's how, um, it, 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 the dream began to become a family legacy business. And I am so honored to be able to continue, you know, that legacy and, and build on it and um, to be successful. And also now to hand it um, to my children and, and wow. my granddaughters even involved. So, so thinking about those, that continuity to future generations, but you kind of skip something in there. So okay, you're seeing that it's a real business in high school. And high school tends to be, you know, we're young and rebellious then. We're going to do whatever we're going to do. So even though you knew it was a business and you were around it, were you all all in this, I'm going to be going to do this thing that my grandmother and my mom did? Because I believe you studied engineering post exactly. high school. So what, what, was, what was that journey? Well, you know, um, I'm quite sure that you know, and a lot of other entrepreneurs know that we don't want to have anything to do with what our family is doing because we don't think yeah. it's you know, a real job. It's a real business that you're doing, but is it a job that I could be successful? So you're absolutely true. I wanted to be a sportscaster actually. Okay. And, um, you know, in the eighties when we graduated, you know, that wasn't something that women had a part in. And I had a vision that CNN was going to come one day. I just had this vision, right? <laughs> so I wanted to prepare to be a sportscaster, but uh, my mom directed me into the engineering space because, you know, I guess back then it was either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, <laughs> or, you know, or something along those lines. And um, uh, which was great because I was able to uh, find out things about myself that um, that I actually didn't know I had these gifts. So I went to school for engineering at Tuskegee University, and that was a great experience. Sure doing that and had the opportunity to work for Gulfstream, which is a company that was owned by Chrysler at the time. And yeah, if you yeah. ever heard of the, you know, G4s sure, and I know G3s. The, I know the Jets. Don't have yes. one, but I know them, yeah. I know. Well, you know, I got stuck in a couple because I worked in flight test. And um, when the aircraft came off of the um, production line, we had to take it out um, for a flight test and take all the 
you know, the, the statistics of, you know, how good it did when it did a roll or, um, or how fast it could go. But what was interesting in that space, I was the only female hmm. and all the men played golf. And one aircraft came off of production a month. So we didn't do a lot of work. Those guys played a lot of golf. <laughs> so, so during that time, I was able to really learn the space of, um, I guess, of enjoying things outside of the workplace. Because those gentlemen, they taught me about golf, what it did for them, how it made them a better um, you know, employee, or they were able to just have some downtime. And I just took that knowledge to the next step. So it was just steps that I started to take and started to learn even early. But even, in, even interestingly, you're, you're pursuing or getting early work experience in using engineering skills, but it happened to be in flight, which is part of travel. Uh, and and so it was right a, when the computers came out. So sure. I had the opportunity to work on the very first Apple computer that was huge, and <laughs> but I learned that while I was working at that particular company. Very nice. And and so then, was it a natural? Was there a natural moment where you were in, you know, working for a large company, say like a Gulfstream or some other sort of scientific company, and you just said, "I'm going to go, you know, join the family firm"? Or was there some moment that triggered that? How did that? How did you enter it? I guess. Well, Gulfstream at the time was in Savannah, Georgia, which I loved. I loved okay. the warm weather. But after marriage, um, my husband wanted to move back to Michigan because he was a diesel mechanic um, for Caterpillar. And I didn't want to move back to Michigan because it was cold. But, you know, you know, we ended up moving here. So then I had to look for another job in that space. And I worked for General Dynamics. And this was before 696 was, um, mm. was built. They were in the midst of building 696. And I remember the day it opened. On, and I worked at General Dynamics, which was like on, I think, 16 Mile and Mound Road or somewhere. And I lived in Detroit and Rosedale Park. Ah. So... What is the easiest way to get to Troy or wherever that is without 696? A very long ride. <laughs> and I just remember taking that ride every day to the point of just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. So literally worn out by the commute makes you- Exactly. Something and then I had young children and I was missing their first walk and all those types of things. And I just said, you know, I, I started telling my mom that I just didn't like the space here, you know, working at the tank plant there and- um, you know, for Joan Dynamics. And so she said, well, come work with us, you know? And I said, well, I had to make money. And she's like, well, you can make money, you know? So she kind of showed me the business. And from there, I was able to jump in a little bit further into the business. And that time my mom started doing ticketing in her office. And that's a okay. huge thing in the travel business. Sure. A lot of agents did not have a ticketing machine because it required things such as bond, extremely great credit, um, you had to have references from other people in the industry. And the, um, she was able to get her credentials through, um, at that time, it was um, United Airlines and they used Apollo, which is the- um, I remember the reservation yeah, which systems. Is, yeah, yeah, which Saber is- Saber and Apollo and all that stuff, yeah. Exactly. So she had this huge machine and you know those tickets at the time was like printing money. You I, could not sure. just print a ticket by you mistake. You lost a ticket, you didn't have your <laughs> exactly. ticket, yep the carbon parts, yeah. Exactly, so it was um, it was interesting that I had to learn that she looked to me 
to kind of take over that because she didn't go to college. You know, um, she actually didn't graduate from high school, but um, she was just very smart in the business um, space. But she looked for me to have a little bit more input in that because it was a bigger job to, to manage. And I was able to learn that um, platform and continue to work with her um, through the days that printing tickets were very important. Um, but I did venture out um, a little bit, you know, here and there, back and forth, out of court, you know, into corporate, but I was still working in the travel space, ah. just taking on bigger responsibility. So you're, so it's a kind of business where you could stay in touch with it, do some things, support the family business, but also do some other work as exactly. you then get. And what would you say? I mean, because clearly your mom had some vision, even that, you know, the the steps, the technology required to kind of get into to flight ticketing back then, pre-DREG airlines and all. What are some of the things over time you've brought into this business? Because as we sit here today, we'll talk a little bit about dealing with a pandemic and what how that's affected global travel. But you've had all kinds of disruption all along the way. I mean, the, the advent of all the different airlines and then all the ways people could book their own travel. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's been been industry under fire forever. So how'd you keep fighting it? Well, you know, it keeps me going. So these stories, um, I remember when um, when the airline started to, um, I have to blame it on Spirit Airline. I can't do anything but blame it on them. <laughs> but Spirit Airline made a decision that they were not going to pay travel agents commission for airlines. Uh, and Spirit Airline was a very young company, but, uh, and they're very profitable. I, I look at them as a role model and I look at them as someone that changed the industry for the good and the bad. But they, they were a young company when they first started and they just started making decisions. And when they made those decisions, the other airlines said, you know, I want to do that too. So they were the first to say, you know, we're not going to pay commission. So then all the airlines decided not to pay commission on direct airline tickets. That was the first hit that we had to adjust to. And from there, um, we've had Spirit Airlines says, well, you know what? You're going to pay for your luggage. And all the other um, other airlines fell in line with that. And then uh, we have paying for what? Advanced ticketing, you have to pay for seats now, you all, have to pay all for the, All the fees start to get put on the consumer exactly. by the airlines. Yeah, and, and those trends just started to um, to evolve and it really affected our business. And then 9-11 happened. And I can remember uh, my mom was in the business and, um, you know, the one thing I remember is it didn't bother her. You know, she was um, a full service agency, 9-11 hit. And we didn't have a lot of stressful moments in our household because of that. I know that it affected the business, but whatever she had going, it just, she worked through it and came through strong. Well, well, your mom, I mean, she kind of rescued some of those high school kids and their their dream trip, however many years prior, was was part of part of dealing with 9-11 was you had some clients stranded in various places, right? Exactly. Yeah, you, you had to exactly. get them home or get them somewhere or get them a room or... So was that some of what she was dealing with at that at that time? You know, yeah, I just, you know, the airline had stopped, obviously. Um, the cruise lines were not as affected as right. much. And cruising was really big in the 80s. And, um, and most of her business was, 
I guess was cruise related. You know, she received million dollar awards from Carnival and um, a lot of acknowledgement from Royal Caribbean. And that was the birth of the cruise industry in the 80s. So um, they paid the higher commission. So she made a business decision to stay focused on selling that product versus airline tickets because they were not you know, um, paying um, the commissions as they used to. So, um, so she was always just helping everyone get out of those situations that they were in in them. But we, as um, citizens, we know that 9/11 had impacted us greatly. You know, it really stopped things um, in America. And when I look at things that we're going through currently, I can only say, if my mom survived 9/11, mm-hmm. I know I can survive anything else that comes our way because I know there's life after a disaster in the travel industry. Yeah, I think that's what businesses with some legacy and time can say we've, we have weathered some tough times, even though this year or this past one year span or beyond has been very challenging. So you got your grandmother with the charter buses, your mom being pioneering in different travel things. Is there some uh, you know, statement that's, that's on the materials that you send to clients or that's on the wall? Is there sort of some motto of, of your premier travel that lives kind of from the early days? We always um, reference- I'm an advertising guy, so I'm always looking for yeah, that. I know, you know, I always say, when people say, hey, Sonia, how are you? And I say, I'm great. And I say, what are you doing here? You need to be on vacation. And that came from my mom would always tell people, you need a vacation. No matter if you told her, my toe hurts, you know, that you need a vacation. You know, <laughs> anything that you would bring to her, uh, let it be big or small, her answer to that was you need a vacation. And it was actually a true statement. It may have been funny then, but now when I um, interact with professionals and also, you know, you know, just moms and dads who become stressed out with life or who need a break. If you take a vacation, it's like a restart button. So it allows you to just Hmm. adjust yourself and be refreshed. And the more we communicate that to our clients and actually to entrepreneurs, it is a great message to make a big difference in their lives. That's really nice. I mean, the early McDonald's advertising was you deserve a break today. That's just a, you're just giving, (laughs) she's just advocating a slightly longer break. So as you've been in business, I know in some stuff that interviews and other things you've done, you advise entrepreneurs to, to find a mentor who, who has served as a mentor for you through, through your business learning and experience and all that. Um, Within the city of Detroit, um, one of my mentors in the travel industry is a young lady by the name of Linda Burgess. And I I mention her all the time because when my mom was in the industry, um, they both were very successful, one in Southfield, one in Detroit. And even though they were competitors, they were together. I, I they gave me an example of how successful you can be working and knowing who your competitors are, but being great by knowing that. And when my mom passed away, Linda reached out to me and I actually moved into her office in Southfield. And it was more of a mother figure, a mentorship. And she knew, you know, I know she knew, she knew that I needed that encouragement to stay in the industry. And I will never forget um, that relationship that we have and what we still have. I haven't seen her recently, but I see her on social media. And I always mention, you know, that experience because I tell people today in the in our industry, we should be collaborating and helping <laughs> each other because that's how we grow as entrepreneurs. You know, 
there's a hair salon on every corner in Detroit, but that doesn't mean that you cannot collaborate and just kind of talk about what's working. And, and I try to um, bring up those conversations with other entrepreneurs. That's nice. I like that concept, that co-opetition concept. Like we cooperate, but we compete and you can- Exactly. You know, and the ad agency space would be, sim- would be similar. What was Linda Burgess's travel agency, travel firm called? What was the It name? actually is not difficult. It was Linda Burgess Travel. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe, I, yeah. maybe I should have known that. I, I, I think I know some of the different organizations over the years. Yeah. Uh, well, let's shift gears and look into the future a little bit because then we'll deal with the here and now. Because one of the beautiful things about travel is- the, just the part that's dreaming and even thinking about where you want to go before you even get into the planning, before you even get into booking it, then you get to go and have the experience and then you get to kind of recap it and share it and live it all over again. So that's what's so neat about this, this space. So I, what are you as a business in that more dreaming and planning stage? Like what are you looking at out a few years um, as you compete with, you know, do it yourself platforms the, the massive growth of Airbnb, all of these, these different things that you have to address, what are you kind of looking at? Well, first of all, we, I don't look at the um, online platforms as competitors. To okay. me. Um, actually, they're competitors to marketing companies because most of them are marketing platforms sure. that are just marketing travel. So once I um, start to realize that, it, it makes life a little easier because um, I don't have to do exactly what they're doing. Okay. So what we decided to do is just stay focused on what we've always done and give excellent service. You know, we are traditional where we don't mind talking to our clients and a lot of clients love that one-on-one conversation of planning, um, you know, the wedding from start to finish or, or, you know, and the experience of dealing with a mother and father who are now grandparents and then they refer you to, their um their their children and their nice. children's children and and they're like I want them to get married in the same place that I got married in St. Martin. Even though that place may have changed names, we gotta <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> you know. So uh, we like to make sure we're giving that extra service. Also, you know, like experiences is really the key word yes. when it comes to travel now. So it's a, it's definitely more than just an airline ticket and a hotel accommodations, you know, depending on what the client likes to do, if they just want to relax, we, we, we're going to make sure that they have a, a five-star experience in relaxing. If they want to be adventurous, we're going to make sure that we pull together a very busy itinerary every day that they're out. And if they just want to, you know, we have some history buffs to just want to stay focused on getting some great photos and great destinations. And we can make all of that happen. And we plan that. And that's part of the entire process. So it's all about experiences. And so for yourself, obviously traveling yourself and your, the people who work for you is a way that they can be good advisors to your clients because they're not, they're speaking of from their own experiences, but how else do you educate yourself on your industry? How do you keep current? What do you do to learn or think about what's next? I stay on social media. Um, You know, some of the best tours that I've been able to find are from some of my backpackers that just like to tell about what they did. And once I hear about it, then a client comes to mind and I I approach them like, you got to do this, you know. Um, So so social social in the form of people sharing 
their digital journals, if you will, really exactly. sharing their, their experiences. And then bloggers are doing a great job, yeah. especially in our industry. They've taken it to the next level. In fact, there's a young lady from um, Detroit and um, she was, um, I guess, on social media talking about she's gone to maybe 30 countries in a mm-hmm. short amount of time and she journaled that. And it was just interesting to me. I mean, I don't have the time to do that, but I can definitely read about her experiences and make sure that I share that with the perfect client that will um, appreciate that. That's really fascinating because it's the old, basically helping someone map out the itinerary. And if you can base it, I mean, it's okay to copy. It's okay to write, to go on things people have done. Uh, Well, the destination is going to always be there and how you approach it, you know, that is um, based on what the person is looking for. And then any, you know, especially with some different time, more time spent sheltered in your home and all that over this past period of time, any new skill or technology thing or playing music, something you yourself have picked up on or or been messing with? Wow, that's a good question. Um, uh, Definitely not cooking. I'm not going to claim that. I have just enjoyed my teenage daughter. I have enjoyed just watching what teenagers do. You know, um, you know, the movies that they watch, um, the way that they approach being bored is totally different <laughs> than what we used to do. And I know, you know, the way they like to slide their plate outside the door and go back in and close it. You're wondering, like, what is going on? So but room no, service <laughs> happens in the house. OK, <laughs> but just enjoying enjoying family has really been the best thing. Um, for myself. And, um, and then I have another, um, I guess, I wouldn't like to call the business, but more of a hobby with my a nonprofit that I started. So I've been able to focus and build on that. Um, but it's been all about family. So staying on family for a second, you got, you know, a teenage daughter, maybe possibility you say of kind of that fourth gen involved. So what, what, I don't know that you would give her advice right now because it's, you know, as a parent of a teenager, you get too much advice, they're going to run for the hills and do something else. You'd encourage it. But if down the road, if she wanted to pursue and get involved in this, you know, continuing to evolve travel business, what what, what would you say to her? Well, I have um, come up with a secret way of in introducing her to the industry. Okay. So uh, what I did was I asked her, where is it that you would like to go in the world? And once she tells me that, I asked her to do research on (laughs) those particular areas. And I've been taking her to trainings. She wanted to travel to Iceland. So when um, Delta University is one of our vendors and they come in and do like this huge training on different destinations, I had her select the trainings that she wanted to to go to, to learn more. So that's baby steps of kind of letting her know she's in the business, but um, she didn't really know that. Um, But also just kind of sharing stories of how I got in the business with my mom. You know, she does want to be a surgeon. And um, okay. so travel is not in her immediate, um, you know, um, I guess, vision of her life, but it wasn't in mine either. So to have as entrepreneurs and running a legacy business is always good um, to know what the family is doing so that you can always go back and help out or assist it with growing. But you shouldn't stop your dreams of what you want to do, because eventually they're going to work together. Got it. And then this period that we've all just gone through and are still going through as, as business leaders, business owners has certainly been an incredible test. So how would you describe your 
leadership style your, your and or what you've learned about yourself as a leader over this you know this last 10 months I am really strong on duplicating the knowledge that I have and sharing it with someone. Okay. Um, I've used this time to um, actually be acknowledged for the knowledge or the, I guess, the talent I have in this industry that I didn't know existed. I guess, you know, I kind of, I'm so used to just knowing this stuff. So when people start to acknowledge you for it, you're like, Okay, thank you. Nice. So, so by doing that, I've been um, able to be a part of organizations of women like myself. So I am I'm a part of an organization called the um, Female Leaders in Travel. And it's about 40 of us from all around the United States that came together and we went to Cabo in October. And that was really the icing on the cake of what I needed to be even more successful and share knowledge to our younger um, women in the industry. So we're just, you know, we have our knowledge and we have learned, a we put on a platform how we're going to teach other young ladies to uh, move in this industry because unfortunately there's a lot of women working in the industry of um, travel and tourism, but there's not a lot of women running the industry I in travel it. and tourism. So, so we're working on making a change truly, just like every other industry. Truly developing the leaders and owners, not just some of the basic skills. And exactly. so Linda served as that mentor to you, you as the mentee, and now you're playing that mentorship role with multiple others. Yes. And then you mentioned you mentioned uh, a not-for-profit or not-for-profits, and, and you've got this sort of roots in the Girl Scouts, got your mom into something, and, and you're working with younger people. So what? tell the listeners exactly what you're doing as far as community give back and do good. Okay. Well, um, I started a, a not-for-profit called Young People Travel Global Edge, and um you know, with us being a part of the Goldman Sachs 10K Small Business Program, of course, part of um, being a successful entrepreneur is being a successful um, business that gives back to the community. And of course, mine is travel related. So what we do, we, um, we educate and we have a great influence on our inner city youth so that they can see what the world has to offer. We focus on um, certain pillars. So we have education, entrepreneurship, culture immersion, sports, and also careers. And um, before our you know, travel took, uh, a, I guess, a, a turn of, um, to stop a little bit, we were on our way to Manchester, England in April, and then also to Bogota, um, Columbia, and um, because we weren't able to travel, we pivoted and made an online platform, hmm. which has been actually wonderful because we now we have students in Ghana that's a part of our program, and they're learning about the United States, and our students have been able to host other um, students from other um, countries, and it has just been a wonderful experience um, for them, and it you know we have noticed that as they prepare for college. They are have a mindset of traveling abroad and doing things they need to do to prepare for that. But also thinking of instead of just being a surgeon, I want to go over to a particular country and study to learn to be a surgeon. So it's really giving them another space and it's open, giving them a wider view of the world. So that idea. So then it's you're helping fuel that idea of of 
young people know they're citizens of the world, right? And exactly. And so they doing a little bit what you're doing with your daughter, right? Do some homework, some research on the places, and then actually be able to go there and experience it firsthand. Exactly. And then we're bringing in people from those particular countries to be mentors to them. So that has been really excellent. Awesome. You know, just because, you know, and, and I like to talk about the sports side of it because I was an athlete all the way, you know, from high school to college. And most athletes don't have that opportunity to really do like, you know, your exchange student programs sure. or your people to people because they're so focused on their craft, being the best baseball player or soccer player. Okay. So what we have done is we have built relationships with professional athletes that have either played abroad or went to college to play so that they can share the stories and the experiences mm -hmm. to our middle school and high school students now. So it won't be such of a um, culture shock if they decide to play professional basketball in Dubai or, or what have you, because those opportunities mm -hmm. are out there. <laughs> and these, these young people that you're, you're helping in this, in this not-for-profit, are they students who have had much ability to travel in their life? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, okay, most so of it's our really, students, yeah, it's they very have much, not traveled. So it's, I mean, so a big difference as we sit, you know, beyond talking about pandemic and economic issues and hits to an industry like travel have been, you know, equality or income inequality. And one of the big gaps is people who get to travel and see the world and learn from that and people who don't. And, and it's yeah. a big difference because if you just look at an application for college, you know, they want to know about you. So what and have you done? And the so essays, we're building that. And, 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 <laughs> and privilege comes through with that, whether intended by a student or not, when they write about an experience they had getting to go somewhere. And we're not faulting that student for getting that opportunity because it is how we as adults learn. I mean, reading exactly. and travel, it's awesome, awesome ways to grow. Uh, so here's a question I haven't gotten to ask anybody in this way. So generally, I do this podcast, people are in family generational businesses, which means they're pretty immersed in that business. Or as our new president said, their soul's in it. <laughs> and But then they have ways to get away. And when you ask about getting away, oftentimes it's going to Northern Michigan or traveling. So when you do <laughs> what you do, how do you get away from the business? Family time. So family time I, no, yes, is the family break. Family time okay. is a break for me, yes. And, and sometimes that family time could be traveling, but I just like to host. Um, I have older students. I mean, it's not students, older kids. Um, you know, my daughter, then I have two grown sons, a grown daughter, and then two granddaughters. So it's um, when I'm able to get them all in one one spot because they live in different um, cities and different states is wonderful. And so because of your knowledge on sports and the other things you're studying with students, you can talk about other stuff other than the travel business, right? Oh, absolutely. It's not a, it's absolutely. Not a board meeting. Okay. Yes. Super. They and, all cook. I just don't cook. <laughs> yeah, okay. So you've got, there is the, there is the eating part of, of all of that. And because we both, you mentioned it, um, so what got you introduced? How did you, the Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses, what, did someone refer you to it? Did you seek it out yourself? What, what was the impetus of you getting involved in that program? Um, when I was introduced to the Goldman Sachs program, I actually was attending a, a business um, program that was at, um, hosted actually in Lansing. Okay. And they had a representative there talking about the program. And um, the representative was very intimidating. Um, you know, he presented in a way where if you're going to do this, you've got to be serious, you know. Oh. And I didn't think it was for me, you know. And um, 
But I, I did take the information home and, and I allow it to marinate to see if my business was even, you know, could even qualify. And what came to mind after I learned about all the different things that they were going to um, teach us um, was what I know was missing all the years that my mom ran a business, my grandparents ran a business. And then even when I started to run a business, you know, there's a lot of things you don't know right. that and you stay in your comfort zone, which sometimes allow you to work harder than you really have to work to produce and to be successful. And I just wanted to say, it's time to learn a different way. It has to be an easier way. That's a I great know, way of thinking about you it. You know, I know how to do it and get results, but can we do it without the stress or without you know, the financial support or what have you. So I, I, I decided to apply and um, I remember the first interview and, and like yourself, I'm quite sure you remember that. It was kind of like the shark tank. You had all these questions coming at you <laughs> from all these professionals. And when I left that interview, I just knew I wasn't going to make it. And um, when I got the call, it was just like getting that letter from college that you were accepted. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> I, I had this weird experience. I go in, I'm down at, at Tech Town, and I'm sitting mm -hmm. with a couple of people, and there's a monitor at the other end of the table, which now we're on Zoom. People are so versed in video conference meeting. This person's in Boston. They cannot figure out how to get the sound work. So she can hear us, <laughs> but we can't hear her questions. So do the interview, and I leave. I go home. I say, I got to figure out who that person was. So I could write a note, thanks for the meeting, because we never actually talked and tracked her down. And that that was part of our, our story. You know, the, the technology hiccups can be can be sticky. Uh, but no, it's a really great way of, of framing it, of that working hard, keep, keep just going harder at it and go, maybe there's a different angle at there's this. A different way. And you get with, I've said about the, our, they call them the cohorts, for those who don't know the Goldman Sachs Small Business Program, it's like a movie casting. You couldn't cast these groups that we were with. The, the, the people <laughs> had such distinct personalities and, and businesses and styles. And it was like a reality show. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a couple of travel related questions. So okay. favorite place you've been on this planet that, that you just go back to in your memories? I love St. Lucia and Greece. Okay. And, and you've been a lot of places, obviously. So, you know, what is on the, the Sonia Weston bucket list, if you will? Where do you still need to get to? Well, I have to get to Iceland because I promised my daughter, daughter that, that we were going to do that. And, um, and I, I've gone to Dubai, but I want to take my students to Dubai because it is a very mystique place that I think they will find fascinating and actually motivating um, as they set goals in life. So I've, to go back to Dubai. I've wanted to get my father to go so we could go at the time where they're racing, the, the horse racing on the track there. And yes. you know that piece of their, huge piece of their culture. And uh, what has been the most fulfilling thing for you about this generational business? being a part of it, to be a part of a legacy that you can look back on and be proud of and also continue to share. And um, I, I always say, if the future could be as fulfilling as what the past was like, then I'm given a gift that I'm very happy to give to you know, my, um, my, my children. That's very nice. 
And I, I really like how you've taken YPT, your premier travel, and also YPT is the, what young people travel, people travel. Right? <laughs> using that. Anything that I forgot or should have asked you about in, in this in this three generations and going on plus in the travel you know, just, guidance business? You know, just I would just like to say that anyone that is an entre- entrepreneur right now, part of your business plan or what we've learned, part of your exit plan <laughs> should be how you're going to continue the legacy, you know, cause some people may not want to do that, you know, but if it is something that you would like to do, include that in your exit plan. So that is an easy um, transition. And also it's something that you can be proud of because it, it really makes a difference when people talk about a lot of the companies out there that's been around for hundreds of years. And now, you know, the, um, they have changed hands to, um, of their business to their kids or grandkids. And I mean, we have a, a, a great example with Ford right here, you know, sure. in Detroit. So if you needed a, a huge example of that, that is a great example, but we can do that on a smaller scale and, in, and still have the same, um, benefits and, um, just accomplishments that we have. So I would love to say that to our entrepreneurs and then on what we're doing, of course, um, our nonprofit is having our first fundraiser. So I was just like to put that out there because oh, no, give, um, give people the way to find that and, and be supportive. So young people travel global edge as, as, um, hosting this, um, um, really soon on Sunday, the Suitcases for Success event that is not only on one day, but it continues on as far as the silent auctions that we have. You can actually participate in those. And we're honoring some really wonderful professionals in the city of Detroit, in the state of Michigan. And one of them is our own Lieutenant Governor. So he great. represents a great career that our students can look forward to one day Um taken on that position if that's what they would like to do. So we're just excited to include our community. Um, also allow our students to take the lead on our entire gala and um, it's virtual. So you can just sit at home, enjoy some um, really good entertainment, hear from some really great students and also a way for you to give back if this is the time for you to give. Super. Well, Sonia, I thank you for both participating in Generation Excellence, but also kind of embodying it too. And and uh, I mean, we knew each other just a littlest bit and I'm glad we got to capture more of this. And even I love when people are on this and say, there's something that I'm doing as a secret. And then we record it and share it with other people. So maybe it's not a secret anymore. Uh, but thanks again for, for your time. Thank you very much. It's such an honor. You're doing a fantastic job delivering this message. So keep it going. I'll keep it going. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld at SMZ for helping make Generation Excellence, well, excellent. Until next time, I'm Jamie Michelson.